This is the Collector Car Podcast, the home for the auto enthusiast. Join Greg Stanley as he applies over 25 years of insights and analytical experience to the collector car market. He will interview the experts and throw in some fun stuff as well. Do you find it challenging working on your collector car? Advantage Lifts has the solution for you with their selection of two and four post lifts. Advantage's two post lifts provide an unparalleled amount of versatility. Each wheel can spin freely and be worked on individually, and you'll have full access to those hard-to-reach parts of the undercarriage. And best of all, Advantage's two post lifts are ready to ship now. Get $100 off by using code TCCP for the Collector Car Podcast. Again, that's TCCP. You can find your perfect Advantage lift by calling 763-300-5730. That's 763-300-5730. And don't forget to use the promotional coupon code TCCP. CCP. Hey, it's Greg Stanley. If you're listening to this podcast, you know I love everything automotive. This passion has expanded to include being a car specialist consultant for RM Sotheby's. So if you need assistance buying or consigning a collector car at any one of our online or live auctions, including Scottsdale, Amelia Island, or Monterey, you can reach one of our car specialists at rmsotheby's.com or you can email me directly at gstanley at rmsotheby's.com. Okay, welcome to the Collector Car Podcast, where I am asking the uh, the question on everyone's mind nowadays: Have collector cars peaked in the marketplace? So, uh, let's see. The results from Monterey auctions are still being felt throughout the collector car world, and I'm going to share some different perspectives on where the market is today. So, I will talk to, or I will reference a few experts, a lot of the data out there, and come to my own conclusions. So. I hope you join me for this. This will be a little bit of a longer episode. And I will also review how the values of 25 different cars from multiple decades uh, gives us a little bit of insight into into where the collector car marketplace is going. So a lot of info here. So uh, I hope you join me. All right. Before we get to all the market info, I do have a couple updates. Uh, I do travel a lot. And so I would love to see some of you in person at some events or uh, just drop me a note if I'm coming to your neck of the woods, I'd love to see your collection of cars or if you just have one car. It's a really tight schedule when I do travel, but I would love to see, I always try to see cool cars, whether it's for uh, some content for the YouTube channel or uh, meeting a potential client uh, or some current clients or just perusing some collections for fun. So my travel coming up, I will be at the Dayton Concord Elegance uh, this Sunday as we're recording this. I, will, I do have a trip going to Pittsburgh, Altoona area soon, uh, Long Island, New York, Las Vegas. I hope to be at the Chattanooga Motoring Festival. And then I will be in the New England area in Boston and Rhode Island uh, area, um, and then also Vermont. So that's more in the October time frame. So I do have some uh, time to schedule some stuff. So if you are in any of those areas and would like to catch up, show me your cool cars. Uh, just shoot me a note, Greg at the Collector Car Podcast or G Stanley at rmsothebees.com. Now, as always, be sure to check out my YouTube channel. I'm doing some daily content. My podcasts now have a video aspect of it where I will throw up some pictures of the cars we're talking about. You can see this one right now on YouTube if you're only listening to it audio only via Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast provider. Now, coming soon for YouTube, I do have a few more of the uh, Monterey videos coming soon. I do have a Mega Shelby collection coming, a Jaguar Junkyard I found outside of Cleveland, Porsches at the Red Brick Reunion uh, just outside of Cincinnati, and a lot of other stuff. Honestly, I can't keep track of it all. There's so much cool stuff coming. And then po- future podcast episodes, uh, RM Sotheby's does, 
They do have a no reserve auction coming up. The Ponder Collection out in Texas. I'm going to pick some of my favorite cars and automobilia from that. So it's really like, huh, you know, what can I find that's really interesting, cool that maybe you haven't heard of before because there's some really cool stuff in this collection. Actually, I, if you're on our YouTube channel right now, I can pull that up. So uh, let's see, there's YouTube and there's the Ponder Collection. Just a little snapshot of what this collection looks like. And then also I'll do, a, hopefully with one of our car specialists at RM Sotheby's, a review of the cars from uh, Hershey Fall. Some of the cool cars coming up for sale. And I will dive deep into Jay Leno's collection. I am interviewing an original owner of a 1965 Shelby GT350, so I can hear the history of that car in that particular family. And a lot more fun, cool topics coming up. So I appreciate you listening. Um and uh, tuning in every week. All right, so now to see how the collected car market is doing. Uh, like I said, I'll reference recent sales results. Uh, I do dig into Haggerty's market ratings as well as uh, I'll quote some automotive experts that had some interesting stuff, um, whether about the market today or what future enthusiasts will be buying in the future. All right, first, let's go to Haggerty's market rating. This is pretty cool. So this is a way that Haggerty captures the market trends out there. Uh, they use a weighted algorithm to calculate the strength of the North American collector car market. Now, these metrics include activity or heat is represented by variables like rate of change in auction activities and numbers of transactions, private sales activities, and number of cars offered publicly for sale. Uh, directional momentum is represented represented by multiple valuation trends plotted from auctions, private sales, and insured values. Market strength or weakness is measured by variables such as Haggerty price guide values, public auction performance, subjective expert opinions, and other correlated financial market instruments. In this market, liquidity is represented by the intersection of number of cars on the market, private sale, and auction sale activity. Now, all of these factors are put into Haggerty's Ungonculator, which results in a market rating which ranges from 0 to 100. Now, if you're on YouTube, you can see I'm pulling up some of the information for the last few months uh, for Haggerty. Uh, let's see. So, like I said, this ranges from 0 to 100. This value categorizes how the marketplace is performing. So, 0 to 20, the market is down 50 percent 21 to 40 the market is down 25 percent 41 to 60 the market is flat 60 to 80 the market is expanding and 81 to 100 the market is superheated so for august of 2022 which this does not include the monterey results that will occur when they update for uh, the december market rating the market rating is 76.71 which is down from 76.80 in July of 2022. Just for reference, June of 2022 was over 78. Uh, so it has slowed. And if you go back to the rating, it says the market is expanding. Uh, let's see, here's some of the drivers from this month's decrease. Let's see if I've got that here. Yes, the Haggerty marketing rating dropped again to the lowest point since the start of 2022 as monthly inflation hit a record high 1.3%. Many metrics increased this month, but failed to escape the weight of inflation. Notably, the in 
Inflation adjusted medium auction sales price is at the lowest point since October 2020, despite the real numbers increasing this month. So you can really see the uh, impact of inflation. Uh, so if you, you know, make the adjustment so it's apples to apples, uh, the price point is actually the lowest since October 2020. Expert sentiment remains optimistic while overall auction activity slows as the market saves its best cars for the Monterey auction week. Let's see, market confidence for the average collector is still at record highs. For the first time ever, the majority of cars are selling above insured values, even while the insured values have increased every month since August of 2020. Now, the next thing I like to look at here, which is really cool, is Haggerty has these uh, indexes, the indices. And uh, let's see, you can view each index to discover the average combined value of the most popular collectible vehicles within their category. Now, these categories are, and I will pull them up here, 1950s American, Affordable Classics, Blue Chip, British Cars, Ferrari, German Collectibles, and Muscle Cars. I will not review all of the data from each index, but I will call out any statements that I found interesting about where the marketplace is going. So, for 1950s American, Let's see here. So if you pull it up, you'll see a nice little bar graph line chart that goes from January 2007 to today. So you can kind of see uh, how uh, the cars have adjusted up or down in the marketplace. And then they also list the cars that make up the market, this particular indice. So for 1950s American, I'll just read off a few of these cars. 1959 Cadillac Eldorado Barretz, 1955 Packard Caribbean, 1957 Ford Thunderbird. So the iconic cars, 1957 Chrysler 300C, 1953 Cadillac Eldorado, a lot of Cadillacs, a lot of Buicks, 1958 Chevrolet Bel Air Impala. You get my drift here. All right, so for 1950s American, last quarter, the 1950s American Classics Index saw one of the largest increases in recent memory that 6% rise was driven by a broad increase in nearly half the component cars. This quarter is a different story, however. Most of the vehicles that rose in value last quarter posted no gains in the most recent one. Now, this is something you'll hear fairly consistent from me here in this podcast. Only two cars posted gains with the 1959 Cadillac Eldorado Barretz gaining 5% and the 1956 Continental Mark II gaining 12%. Much of what we're observing with 1950s American cars is happening across much of the rest of the market. After sharp gains at the beginning of the year, most values have held steady or even seen their growth slowing down. With most segments of the market at an all-time high or making their way to it, it remains to be seen just how much higher the market can rise. What we can say for sure is that, this, that the situation is still playing out. All right, so the next one, will go to as affordable classics. So an affordable classic, some of the cars that made the list, 1967 Volkswagen Beetle, 1969 American Motors Javelin, 1949 Buick Roadmaster Model 76S, a Carmen Ghia, Porsche 914, MGB, Datsun 240Z, Corvair, Triumph TR6, Avante, Chevrolet Camaro SS, 1970. All right, for the affordable classics, the sharp rise in Haggerty's Affordable Classics Index over previous years is a stark reminder of the market shift that has occurred in that time. 
While this does, doesn't indicate a total abandonment of traditional collector cars, it does show a shift of views towards more accessible cars. While the previous quarter saw an astonishing 7% rise in the index with five component cars posting double-digit gains, this car quarter saw a more modest 1% rise. This time around, it is only the Studebaker Avante R1 posting a double-digit increase at 18%. A break in the auction action is usually a good sign as continued rapid growth is unsustainable in the long run. While we cannot predict what will happen as the year continues, affordable cars continue to surprise with their resili resiliency and their ability to continue growth. Now, all of these, uh, all this uh, deep dive that I'm quoting here is from Greg Ingold at Haggerty. Some really good stuff. All right, next, we're going to go to the blue chip cars. All right, so for the blue chip cars, these are definitely high dollar. Now this includes the 1967 Corvette 427 435 horse convertible, Mercedes 300 SL Gullwings, Shelby Cobras 427s, Shelby GT350s, Toyota 2000 GTs, Maserati 5000 GT Frua, uh, and the big cars, the 1958 Ferrari 250 California long wheelbase, uh, Plymouth Cuda. Uh, so high dollar cars here, 1953 Chevrolet Corvette, Aston Martin DB5, uh, 911 Carrera RS 2.7, 1948 Tucker. Big dollar cars here. Okay, so for blue chip, for the first time in 18 months, Haggerty's blue chip index experienced no appreciable movement. While few component cars moved in value, this does not necessarily indicate a lack of activity at the top of the market. The biggest news story not reflected here is the record sale of the Mercedes-Benz 300 SLR Uhlenhaut Coupe for $142 million that are himself to be sold. What this sale means to the top of the market remains to be seen, but it does raise the bar for what the right car can sell for. One of the things that'll be very interesting as far as the top of the market is to see what the next Ferrari GTO sells for. The real Ferrari GTO the original one from the mid-19, early 1960s. The last one sold publicly for $48 million uh, at RM Sotheby's. One reportedly sold privately for $70 million. So will the next one be $60 million? Will it be $80 million? Will it be $100 million? That will be very interesting to see. Speaking of which, let's move to the Ferrari. Where'd it go? Oh, I guess I skipped over. All right, let's go to British cars next. Let's make it alphabetical here. All right, so the British cars, as you can imagine, includes TR6s, a lot of MG, Sunbeam Tiger, Jaguar E-Type, Triumph TR3A, Austin Healy's, uh, all the cool stuff uh, over there in England. All right, Haggerty's British car index reached an all-time high following a 1% increase. Now, I think that's the second time we've heard 1% increase and zero flat. So historically, British cars have been a mo mostly inactive part of the market Following the recent surge in other collector car prices, however, they have come alive again. Granted, 1% is not much of an increase, but for anyone following British cars, the continued movement is noteworthy. All right, let's see. Let's move on to the Ferraris. Let's see. All right. Ferrari, as you can imagine, this includes cars such as the 410 Super America, the 5... 250 LM, the 330 GTC, uh, the Dino, the Daytona, the Lusso, all the great Ferraris. All right, 
So far this year, Haggerty's Ferrari Index has slowed to a complete halt. When I first read that, that was very interesting because I've seen a lot of Ferraris bring big money recently. Not a single component car experienced appreciable movement through the second quarter of the year. This comes on the heels of intense activity as the Dino and Daytona camp, while the rest of the upper echelons of the classic Ferrari world have remained quiet. Much of the movement among Ferraris, like in recent publications, remains with more modern models. So that's a good point. So in the Ferrari index, the most modern Ferrari listed is actually from 1972. You got the Dino and the Daytona, and the, uh, actually I got two Daytonas in there. One's a Spider, one's the Coupe. All right, that makes sense. So if you were to add the more modern Ferraris, like the 288 GTO, F40, F50, Enzo. I wonder how that would fare. All right, next, we're going to look at muscle cars. Let me move on to muscle cars. Oh, I'm sorry. Going out of order here. How about German collectibles? All right, here we go. So the German collectibles, as you can imagine, lots of Porsches, Mercedes, including the 300 SL going, the 190 SL, Porsche 356, Porsche 911 S, Quite a few of those. Let's see, BMW 3.0 CSL Batmobile, BMW M1. All right, so every single car is either a Mercedes, a Porsche, or a BMW, which, which makes sense. All right, like with many other indices, Haggerty's German car index reached another all-time high. While the 1% gain, yet again, is not as spectacular as the prior quarter, it is on par with what is going on with the other market segments. Most values for component cars are remaining steady with a handful of movers. Most notably are the Mercedes-Benz 190SL and 600, which gained 20 and 30% respectively. We've had quite a few of those 600 show up at auction and they have done tremendously well. Not reflected here is the activity in more modern models. Activity continues with the water-cooled 996 and 997 series Porsche 911s. The BMW camp continues to see some love as well with E36 M3s gaining by an average of 12% and E30 M3s rising by 5%. This continues a trend of slow growth in the long-established sphere of German car collecting while new models continue to snag the attention of buyers. As the market continues to expand, however, we are likely to see more growth in this space. All right. Now, I think they ought to do a new, uh, maybe call it Young Timers, uh, index where it is cars from basically the 1980s to the 2015 or so. All right, the last one we're going to look at are muscle cars. All right, let's see what constitutes a muscle car. All right, Shelby GT350, American Motors AMX, Camaro Yanko, Mercury Cougar GTE, Pontiac Lamont, the GTO, Roadrunner Superbird, Plymouth Cuda. Buick GTS 455, Dodge Charger, Chevrolet Impala, Ford Mustang, Boss 429. All right, this is a little retribution for me because I got beat up for calling a Mustang a muscle car. I know it's a pony car, but my argument was is once it hits like 428 cubic inches in 1968 and a half, that's a muscle car. And it's interesting that they list the 1965 Shelby GT350, which had the 289 small block engine as a muscle car enlisted in their index. All right, again, from Greg. For the fourth consecutive publication, Haggerty's Muscle Car Index has posted yet another all-time high. This time, however, as at a far more modest 1% increase, that's like 
everything's 1%. The insanity of the muscle car market during the first quarter of 2022 has become more restrained in the second quarter. But with Meekum's massive muscle car heavy Indianapolis sale having just wrapped up at the time of this posting, we can confidently say that the current market high will stick around for a while. A few Halo cars have had some room to grow after previous jumps. 1970 LS6 Chevelles grew by another 3%. 1970 Oldsmobile 442 W30s grew by 19%. And the largest jump was made by the 1969 AMC AMX SS, which grew by 25%. That's very interesting. Most losses in value for this space were minor in nature and could be called a small adjustment rather than a market shift. All right, what are you noticing here? Let's see. Certain small markets are growing. So a couple of those small markets or brands or models were growing significantly while most of the overall market has slowed down greatly. And you probably heard, I think we had one that was flat. The other five had shown a 1% increase in the most recent quarter. Now you'll see here shortly that this theme is continued through some of the uh, results that I found as well. Now, before we get to the 25 cars I wanted to talk about, uh, I wanted to quote some folks from Hemming Motor News. Motoring News. All right, so this is from Hemming's editor-in-chief, Terry McGeehan. Hope I got that right. This isn't exactly clairvoyant since a trend appears well underway, but if the past year is any indication, interest in cars and trucks of the 1980s and 1990s will really gain momentum in the coming year. Viewed from one perspective, this is a natural progression as generations move through time. Nostalgia for the things of youth builds and examples of those things are then sought. Today, Gen Xers are looking back fondly at their younger days, but their Mustangs were of the Fox 5.0 variety, their Camaros were IROX, and their Trans Ams were more Knight Rider than Smokey and the Bandit. That's a great comment. But really, those classic nameplates are just scratching the surface of the wave of car collecting building momentum right now. A more original facet of this involves the Japanese cars of the 1980s and 1990s that are currently rising in value. At first, this appeared to be limited to the handful of high-end performance cars from that period, like the Acura NSX and the Toyota Super Turbo, but other less exotic models are catching on now. Given how popular so many Japanese cars became in this era, it stands to reason that a new generation of collectors will be interested in revisiting those models again. My sister had a Nissan 200SX, and that was such a cool car, and you never hear people talking about that. I know it's big in the drift world, but I'm just kind of surprised. It just uh, You have to really search to find reference for one. It's kind of nuts. So, All right, anyways, he continues... Then, of course, there are trucks. Vintage pickups have long been adored by American car enthusiasts, and the specific years and models being treated as classics are continuing to expand forward. Chevy trucks of the 1967 to 1972 generation have been hot for many years, and while they took some time for the 1973 to 87 square bodies trucks to take off, they've now rocketed skyward in interest and in value. More recently appears the 1988 to 1997 Chevy OBS, which is a new phrase for me. That stands for old body style. Trucks are coming on with enthusiasts, and it makes sense. Not only are they affordable, but they maintain the trend proportions of some earlier models, and the styling has held up well. Plus, these trucks left a factory with many of the features gearheads like to add to their older trucks. 
front disc brakes, overdrive transmissions, electric fuel injection, and so on. There are other OBS Fords as well, here referring to the 1980 to 1997 F-Series trucks, which are also rapidly gaining popularity and value with enthusiasts. Expect this to continue and for similar reasons. Good examples of even the latest versions of this era are already fetching a premium. So while these aren't stunning revelations, the useful takeaway is probably the message that interesting cars and trucks of the 1980s and 1990s are coming on strong. So if there's something in that period you find appealing, now, be, now may be the time to snag one. All right, now this is from associate editor David Conwell. My hobby car prediction for 2022, the beginning of a brass car revival with Gen Xers and millennials at the forefront. He gave some reasons why, and I totally agree with him. I think that is very, very cool. And finally, from web editor Daniel Stroll, if you think you've seen a lot of electro modding so far, just wait. We'd seen a slow rise on electro powertrain swaps over the last few years, but 2021 brought a whole slew of electro modded classics that got an inordinate amount of attention from both the enthusiast press and the mainstream press. Okay, you've heard it from the experts, and so now, oh. I think that electro modding is pretty cool. I, I actually would like to have an electro modded 911 or something, or Mustang. That would be kind of cool, but then I would miss everything else about a 1965 Mustang that I love. So, <laughs> All right, so you've heard it from the experts. Now it is time to hear from me. Like I said, I randomly picked 25 cars, and I use Haggerty's valuation tools to look up their value change over the last 12 months. I tried to pick bellwether cars such as the Lamborghini Countach, but also a few of the lesser-known models such as the Lamborghini Espada. I also picked cars that I knew that they have been hot recently and I wanted to see if the trend was continuing. All right, so let's see. My first aha moment was when I noticed 10 of the 25 cars that had significant growth over the last 12 months were flat in the most recent five to eight months. So they ramped up quickly the first part of the year and then they stopped, they stalled. Now this reflects the cooling in the marketplace that I just mentioned. Now the cars that I noticed this on I'll pull up a few pictures of a few of them here. Uh, let's see, 1994 Porsche 928 GTS, my pictures of a 1995 Porsche. The one in my picture is not captured in the data and it was actually at record price at our Monterey auction for RM Sotheby's. Uh, one of like 26 or so that was uh, manual shift. Yeah, one of just 26 US market examples equipped with a five-speed manual transmission in 1995 and less than 17,000 miles. That's why, why that one rang the bell. Uh, that was up 9.7% the latest one year, but it's been flat for the latest eight months. Uh, the next one I picked was a 1991 Bugatti EB110. Let's see, that was up 125% latest one year, but flat the most recent five months. Uh, let's see, I had a Porsche 911 GT3 2004, up 46.5%. Uh, flat the latest five months. Actually, all the rest of these are flat the latest five months, which is very interesting. Uh, 1953 early Bentley R-Type up 41%. 1963 Chevrolet Corvette up 27%. 1985 Ferrari GTO, uh, 288 GTO up 23.7%. Then we have a 1978 Toyota FJ40 up 10%. And 1967 Porsche 911S up 9.2%. 1970 
1972, De Tomaso Pantera up 7.1%. And then the last one that was up recently, but flat most recent five to eight months was the 1956 Studebaker Golden Hawk up 6%, which I thought was pretty impressive. But again, flat the most recent five months. All right, so 10 cars uh, of the 25 that are flat, they represent five different decades, five different countries, and eight different manufacturers. So that speaks to a larger trend out there other than just, you know, hey, I just happened to pick the same cars that are down. That was a pretty diverse pool in which to get those results. All right, next are the six out of 25 cars that are growing consistently over the last 12 months, and they are not showing any signs of slowing. And these also kind of represent the democratic demographic shift uh, that was mentioned by the guy from Hemming. So the first one is the 1987 Lamborghini Countach. Now the picture I have is from the white on white one from our Monterey sale in 1984 that really rang the bell. I want to say it sold for like $900,000. Latest uh, one year change up 45.2%. Uh, that's going to be up even higher after the, after the Monterey results. 1988 Toyota Supra Turbo up 37.9%. 1986 Ferrari Testarossa up 16.7%. That one surprised me. 2000 Ferrari 550 Marinello up 15.7%. So those first four cars, that's all the next generation, 1987 to 2000, with three of them basically being the same year within a year or two. Uh, and the last two, 1961 Jaguar XKE, the E-Type, up 6.7%. That one also surprised me. And then, oh, I did have a picture of the Marinello here. And then finally, the 1953 Hudson Hornet, up 5.3%. That one surprised me as well. All right, and the remaining nine cars that are either flat or down for the year. Uh, let's see, I'll just run through. All of these are flat. I'll, I'll go through these first. The 1972 Lamborghini Espada. I think that's such a cool, funky looking car. Uh, Alfa Romeo GTV 1976, 1965 Aston Martin DB5 flat, 2008 Bugatti Veyron flat, 1992 Bentley Turbo R flat, and then finally 1957 Chevrolet Bel Air is flat. Now the ones that are actually negative, 1962 Austin Healey 3000, my picture is one uh, from 1960 that's coming up for sale in the uh, Ponder collection down 1%. 1970 Datsun, this really surprised me, 240Z, down 4.2%. And finally, the 1996 Dodge Viper GTS, down 4.7%. But honestly, that is understandable. Those things have been up like crazy for the last three years, like up 150%. They had to stop at some point. So, And if I had could have any Viper, I think the one that's on the screen right now is it, 1996, 1997 Dodge Viper GTS. The blue one with the uh, with the white stripes and the chrome wheels. I still like the chrome stuff. All right, so what is my summary for all of this information, all this stuff I've just covered? Let's see. I believe the market is cooling a bit, which reflects the impact of inflation, the European trade rate, and the fact that collectors are taking a breather from the last 24 months of craziness in the collector car marketplace. Now, I as I mentioned, all these results don't include the Monterey auctions, and I believe we will see a slight spike in the data as those auctions are factored in, but the following three to six months of the Haggerty market rating, I believe we'll see those decline a few more points beyond where we are today. 
I think it will still be in the expansion area. I think you could go all the way down to like 62 uh, to fall in that era, era, I believe. Anyways, I think it will continue to decline, but will still be rated as expanding. I believe interest in collector cars is continuing to grow, and new enthusiasts are pursuing their poster cars from their childhood, hence some of the crazy data. Interest is also being fueled by the coming demise of internal combustion engines within the next decade. As more silent electric cars hit the highways, I believe folks will want cars that have personality, performance, and a little noise in their garage. I think we will continue to see record prices for cars from the 1980s, 1990s, and JDM cars outside of just the GTRs. I think we'll start seeing some of the other stuff like the Cappuccino, some of those other cool little funky cars uh, rise in price as well. Electro, electro modification will continue to grow, as will resto mods. Uh, resto mods, they have the look and style of yesterday, but they have the performance and comfort of today. And I think that's what the next generation wants. I also believe that we will see a growth in surprising segments such as the brass era, pre-war cars, and pinnacle cars from the 1950s such as the Cadillac Barretts and other cool fin cars. Any decline in market rating will be a momentary pause and future growth will be at a more leisurely pace, hopefully. At least until the next global catastrophe. <laughs> so thanks for listening and thanks for watching and I will talk to all of you next week. Thanks for listening to the Collector Car Podcast. Don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes and be sure to follow us on Instagram and everywhere else at the Collector Car Podcast.